Hey, it's a great day. Um, we believe God is constantly moving. We thank God for the teaching and the preaching of our Pastor Jeff. Uh, but this week, we have a guest to join us. Um, I've known this man since 1985, somewhere in there, 84. Um, yeah, we were, we were two-year-olds then. Um, no, uh, he came to our school of ministry, and um, that's made him everything that he is, sitting under my teaching. And uh, so, uh, even if he doesn't give me credit for everything, I'm responsible for the good stuff. But Steve is, Steve is a great minister. He's been a pastor. He's, uh, he really, in a sense, stands in the role of an apostle, helping other churches be established, helping to bring stability. I've been with him in some of his meetings. He's, he's the one who go to the little churches that uh, have 10, 15 people. Uh, he doesn't have to have three or 400, 1,000. Um, he'll go to the small churches and minister the Word of God, especially in the realm of healing and the, the purpose and the plan of God to bring healing and health to his people. So, um, Steve, come and uh, tell us everything that you've got. <laughs> well, that ought to take a whole five minutes. <laughs> so, bless you, brother. Hallelujah. Yeah, it is true. Everything that I learned, I learned from Jeff. And then uh, if you hear anything in this message today that sounds like uh, Pastor Bob Yandian or Jeff Jackson, just know that they're on my tape of the month club. So, you know, they get it all from me and then they, you know, take it. Pastor Bob always says we've been doing some meetings together and he said that, well, what he does is he takes what I teach, and Jeff has said this too, they take what I teach and make it better. <laughs> Which they do, okay. And uh, now, I don't know if I have anything I can lay my Bible on. Can I use this back here or what we got? Some, I look over there and that light right there got me good, you know, it's like it blinded me. But, uh, but anyway... Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here today. I really am. Um, it was interesting. I told Pastor Jeff before uh, I came up, I, or this morning when I got here, I said, uh, God's going to start healing people before we get started. You know, and I, and I really believe that. You know, and God has been having me go out, and this is what the message is, okay? And this, you can put it in a nutshell. It's like, thank you, sir, very much, you know? Well, they got me a song to sing and everything. Okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> All I can see is doodah, doodah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to figure out how to raise this thing. and I'll mess them all up, you know. So hold on just a minute. There we go. All right. It don't have to be raised too much. <laughs> I went to one guy. I got this guy I graduated Rama with. And he's like six foot eight or something like that. And I went to his church one time, and here's the pulpit. And I'm like, Dan, not everybody is as tall as you, you know, like that. So the next service, he brought a footstool to put behind. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, he was, it was, yeah, it was so funny, you know, and everything. But here's, the, here's in a nutshell what the Lord's been telling churches I've been going through, going to, is let's quit having church and be the church. Amen. We've had church. And you know what? The devil doesn't care if we have church. Matter of fact, he shows up. I mean, you know, listen to this. No church service has ever scared the devil. 
It, it just doesn't, you know. What scares the devil is whenever the church starts being the church 24-7. Because what we've done is we've made, see, religion's good about this. They make you think the only time you can experience God in three syllables is when you come to church. So that's why you need to be at church. Because then you see God. God's moving. You know, like that. How many of you know God wants to be moving 24-7 all the time? Whether you're at Walmart, at the grocery store, whether you're at the service station, whether you're at the lumberyard or whatever. I pray for more people at Lowe's than, you know, anymore. I think they see me coming and they just go ahead and take up an offering, you know. <laughs> but it's like, we're, we're supposed to be the church all the time. Now, I looked on my notes from last time and it was exactly almost a year ago that I was here. I, I came last May. And so what's funny about this is that this is going to be a continuation. That's probably the longest pause you've had in a two-part message ever in your life. But, you know, like, and, and I can guarantee you something about today. You will not be out of here by 11. I can guarantee it, okay? So if you have somewhere you got to be, you just wave your hand, see ya, you know. I'll say, see ya, you know, like that. Because uh, it was funny, while I was out there, somebody walked up here, I can't even remember who it was now, and they said, somebody told us that they have no idea about the time today, because Steve Reed's here, all right? I take that as a compliment, okay? I'll just be honest with you, you know? I found out something, there's two things God never does for me. He's never on my timetable, and he never asked me to do anything I can afford. Never. He has not one time told me, do this, and here's the money. He always says, do this, and it'll come. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. Oh, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. See, uh, as church people, we all like to go, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, when you have to live it, you know, and you're stepping out, and you almost feel like the wily e. Coyote, you know, you step over the edge, and you got your little sign that says, uh-oh, or, you know, you know. But how many of you know God will never let you fall? He just looking for people that are just trust him. Now, I've got news for you. God is getting, listen, God is moving in these last days. He really is. Now, now I'm going to say something here now. Okay, I've got to qualify something. If, how many of you, I'm going to say this right here. I know, I'm just going to trip right over that. I just know. Okay, here's the thing. How many of you, this is the first time you've ever been in the service where I've been? Anybody in here, this is your first time. Oh, Lord, I'll pray for you. Okay, now, okay. All I can tell you is just strap on your seatbelt, hang on, you know, because I never know which way or which direction we're going. I really don't, you know. I, I would love to have that luxury. I, I remember I'd hear Pastor Bob, and he'd say things like this. He'd say, you know, I've been studying these scripture verses for the last three years, and I'm ready to preach them. Three years? You know, like that? God doesn't give me 15 minutes. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, you know, I'm going along. You know, he just changed my, the last church I was at, he changed my whole message during the praise and worship service. And I was like, well, thanks a lot, Lord. I spent all this time. I thought I had all my notes, had everything down. I was ready to go. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, we're going to go this way. And I think he does that because that's kind of my life. My life has always been having to change in the middle of something or do something God's telling me to do right in the middle of my plans. I mean, man, the scripture says man makes his plans, but God, God just steps. 
Amen. And it's like, but here's the thing. God's getting ready to do something, and he's already started. But, I, but I'm going to say something right here, and I, I want I you to just hang on. I've been called the Donald Trump of the body of Christ. It's because I say things sometimes that maybe be inappropriate, and maybe other preachers don't say it that way, or they wouldn't say it that way, but yet it, and when you get home, you think about it and go, well, that was right. You know what I'm saying? He just didn't, maybe, maybe his tweet was a little mean. But how many of you know, sometimes you get a little aggravated at the body of Christ because you're thinking, now, what are we doing? How many of you would like to see his church full today? Every seat filled. All right, then do something about it. Oh, boy, see that right there? Church like, oh, that's awful mean. Well, you know what I'm saying? If I don't like something that's going on in my life, I'm the one that can change it. Amen. It's just like going to the doctor. Went to the doctor. The doctor said, you know, I said, Doc, I just can't seem to lose this weight. And he said, well, don't eat anything fatty. I said, you mean like ice cream and cake? He said, no, don't eat anything fatty. I changed doctors. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like his bedside manner. But how I many of you know? He's just trying to tell me, you know. If I don't like how things are in my life, then I have to change them. If I don't like it because I want to see more people at church, I have to do something about that. You say, well, do I invite them to church? No, be the church. Make them jealous of what you've got. Make them want what you've got. Make them say, you know, uh, man, uh, you didn't react the way everybody else reacts and you didn't freak out the way everybody else did. What's your secret? Well, I'll tell you what. It's the Word of God. You see, people should be asking you why you're the way you are. Now, if you're fruity, that's one thing. But they should be asking you, why do you have that faith? Why do you believe God that way? I remember our first grandson went to be with the Lord after 14 hours. During his funeral, was it three, honey? Three, three atheists got born again. Three of them. My grandson won more people to the Lord in his funeral than all, most Christians. Listen to this. The average Christian wins 0.06 people to the Lord in his lifetime. How do you win half a person? But that's the average. So what in the world is up with us? What are we doing? You know what I'm saying? Why aren't people wanting to become Christians? The number one reason people don't want to become Christians is because of Christians. Oh, you say that hurts. Well, that's the facts. They don't want to come because they saw how we all act. And they said, well, I can have more fun at the bar. They're always fighting and fussing. And one says they got the truth. The other says, no, they don't. I've got the truth. And they see us fighting and everything among ourselves. And they see us gossiping about everybody. And then they're sitting there going, huh, what do I want that for? I can go down to the bar and do that. I can fight and gossip down there. And I actually feel good about it. Right? The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. How many of you know? You know, every time I speak at a church, I mention sin. Everybody acts like they've never done it. You mention about drinking, they're all like, Drink? You mean like soda pop? 
Maybe about smoking marijuana. Oh, marijuana is not even supposed to be mentioned among us. Well, it's funny because now they're starting Christian cannabis farms. So somebody's smoking it. I know, isn't this a, see, this is stuff you're not supposed to talk about in church. It's supposed to make people feel good when they come to church. Who told you that? When you leave church, how many of you have you ever thought you should feel good when you leave? I should feel good. Well, I got news for you. Jesus was a failure then. Because he upset a lot of folk. You know what I'm saying? He made a lot of people upset. Now, what happened? Then he brought the word in, and then that started bringing joy to their life. So, yeah, why? Because the word comes in, stomps your feet first, and then makes you feel good later. You ever notice that? Oh, my goodness. The word come in and just, oh, you're just like, going, man, is he, is that real? He's like, yeah, we're living down here on earth, folks. Let me tell you something. We all goof up. And we all have dumb things we do in our life. And we all have to look back and say, why did I do that? And we all have to point back, it was our fault. That was it. Can't blame it on anybody. I just did it. Why? To this day, I tell them, I said, you know, I was in construction for a long time. And, you know, the guys that work for me and everything else, I would always tell them, I said, now, we're a Christian company. Although if I hit my thumb, it might not sound like it. Now, you see, y'all look at me like, I can't believe that. You mean when you hit your thumb, you didn't say glory to God, amen, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. No, every once in a while, hit my thumb and say something I had to repent for. Now, see, most preachers won't admit that. Most preachers make you think that if they hit their finger, they immediately start speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, they do. But it's a lot of cuss words in between. So let's just get real with it. Now, Jesus said this. Now, this is our continuation, see? If you remember the last time I'm here, go back a year now. <laughs> Y'all can't do that. You can't remember what you had for breakfast. Okay, here we go. Now, listen to this. Jesus says in John chapter, now, you won't have this on my notes, I know. Now, see, Mallory came up with this cute little title for me. I'm terrible at titles. See, what happens at church shouldn't stay at church. Now, what you do in Vegas is supposed to stay there. But what you do in church shouldn't just stay in church, right? Now, Jesus made this statement. Now, I'll go to my scripture verses I gave you. This is just the kind of the leading and get them back on track. We're going back to a year ago. I read this scripture verse to you. John, he says in John chapter 14, verse 12, I know it was Jesus talking because it's in red. He says, most assuredly, <laughs> I, didn't, I bet you all of you didn't know Jesus spoke in red. He did, okay? Now listen, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, now how many of you believe in Jesus? All right, about half of you. Okay, here we have work to do. Okay, here we go. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Wow. So what does that mean? Well, if you're not doing the works he did, maybe you don't believe in him. I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying. He said this. He said, those who believe in me, okay, so let's just play this out to his further, okay, now listen to what he says. Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So if we really believe who Jesus was, 
And if we really believe Jesus went about doing good and healing all the world oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, if we believe Jesus cast out devils, then why aren't we doing it? I mean, he says, those who believe in me, the works that I do, they will do also. But he takes it a step further. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Greater as far as not more spectacular. How can you get more spectacular than what Jesus did? But greater as far as number. Jesus spent three years walking on the earth anointed by the Holy Spirit with power. And for three years... He did miracles. Some of us have been saved 50, 60 years. We should have surpassed him a long time ago. I know, that just sounds like, see, I, I tell you what, every religious bone in your body is going, <gasps> but he's talking about Jesus. And I'm supposed to be doing greater works than him. Yeah. Because he says, I was one man walking on the earth. Look at how many millions of believers there are. And if we would just be doing what he did in his daily life, we were to surpass what Jesus did. But John says the miracles and the things that he did couldn't even be put in a book. Now I've heard this, uh, Pastor Jeff, and you can straighten me out if I'm wrong about this, but if you truly condense everything that's written about Jesus down into days, it actually covers about 30 days. If you condense it all down, all the miracles he did and everything, and put it in days, it'd be about 30 days. That's why John says we couldn't write them all down. We just had to write down the highlights and just kind of put some things down to let you know this guy was God. And this guy was anointed. And this guy was who he said he was. And he fulfilled all the scriptures. The, the, blind, the blind saw, the lame walked, the deaf spoke. The deaf spoke, the deaf heard. See, he fulfilled those scripture verses. So here's Jesus going about doing good. Doing good. Hey, think about that for a minute. What if the church just went about doing good? We get up in the morning, what are you going to do today? Do some good. What are you going to do? I'm thinking about doing a couple of bad things. No, what if we just got up every day and our intent was to do good? I'm just going to do good. Well, what's good? Well, Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He went about what? Casting out devils. He went about doing what? Healing people. Bringing the good news. Everywhere we go, it's like, you know, hey, listen, make them wonder why you're smiling. And if you can't smile, go to the mirror and tell your face you're saved. You look in the mirror and tell yourself you're saved, you can't keep from smiling. You're like, he saved this. Right? So he said that. This is what Jesus said. So now, let's carry that on over. Going over to Mark chapter 1, and this is where we were last time. This is where, I, I think we just kind of skimmed this, but I got some more revelation on it. Okay, we're going to show you today. All right. Mark chapter 1, uh, starting down in verse 21. Isn't that, isn't that the scriptures I gave you? You know, or whatever? Okay, good. Okay. I think you gave me a thumbs up. I don't have my glasses on, so I think... <laughs> It was either a thumbs up or something else, and we don't want to go there. Okay, now listen to this. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 says this. Then they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. 
And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, let me share something with you. <clears throat> and I believe this. Okay, this wasn't the first time Jesus taught in the synagogue. But it's the first time he taught anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power. Because if you think about it, the Holy Spirit came upon him when he was baptized. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. When he came out of the wilderness, Luke tells us, he came out in the power of the Spirit. Then when he comes in the synagogue and he opens up the scriptures and he starts to teach, it's not that he didn't have the head knowledge. Folks, let me tell you something. There's a lot of ministers today can speak all the Greek, speak all the Hebrew, give you all the history, give you all the archaeological findings that they found, but it's all head knowledge. It hasn't penetrated their heart yet, and it's not coming out of an anointed man of God or woman of God. But it's all being taught from just what they've learned from a book or what they've learned from a... No. What changes the hearts of people is whenever they hear someone speaking the Word of God that's anointed by God and full of the Holy Spirit. That's what changes things. Now all of a sudden Jesus walks into the synagogue, does what he's done before, only this time the people are astonished. Because they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Something's changed here. I have people tell me this all the time. I have that say, are you born again? Yeah. Are you filled with the Spirit? Yeah. Did anyone notice a change in you? Well, no, not really. Folks, let me tell you something. When you are born again and you're filled with the Spirit, this is how people will know that you're changed. Because this is what will happen. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, a friend of mine calls me. I said, hello. And he said, what's, on, what's up? I said, what do you mean? He goes, something's changed. By saying, hello. My brother, who's not even a believer and who didn't walk with the Lord or anything, I went to work the next day after getting filled with the Spirit. And he goes, what's up with you? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, something's up with you. See, something changes in your life. Something changes about you. What happens is you start to get a hunger for the things of God you didn't have before. And then God starts giving you revelation and knowledge on it. And he starts showing you things that a book can't show you. Books are great and books are great to study out of and all that kind of stuff. But that's not where the anointing's at. The anointing is whenever you're hearing it right from the throne of God. And you open up the word and all of a sudden God's just showing you things. And you're like, going, wow, that is cool. Whoa. I never saw that before. Now listen to this. It says, and they were astonished as his teaching, for he taught them as having authority. That means God-given authority. And it says, and they, and they're not as the scribes. Now, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out saying, let us alone. <laughs> See, it's different too, you know. It's like whenever you're anointed by God and God has anointed you and you're being filled with the Spirit, get ready for demons to pop up every once in a while. I mean, you can be in line at the grocery store. And all of a sudden you hear somebody growling at you. You're like, hey. <laughs> you know right then, uh-oh. I'm stirring something up because the church, think about that folks, we are the church. So wherever you go, there's church. If you go to Lowe's, guess what? That's where church is at. 
I'm not going to wait to invite them Sunday to get delivered. I'm going to see if they want to get delivered right there. Isn't that cool? You go up to somebody, they're demon possessed or they're just an unbeliever. And you walk up and you say, hey, do you know Jesus? No. Instead of saying, won't you come to church with me Sunday? Say, hey, how about doing it right here? We can have church. Because I'm the church. See, I'm not looking for a building. A building. Think about this for just a second. It wasn't long ago, you'd have been sitting in the middle of a hobby lobby. So a building can be whatever you want it to be. First church I started was in Ironton, Arcadia, Missouri, and we were in a hardware store. It was Signer Hardware for, golly, probably 50 years. We bought the building, turned it into a church. Guess what? It went from a hardware store to a church building where the church met, but it's just a building. One day, if Jesus doesn't come back, guess what? This building will be something else. Because you guys will move on, you'll build, you'll do whatever God wants you to do, and then this building will turn into something else. Because it's just buildings. Now listen to this. It says, now there was a man with a, in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, let us alone. Have, what have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? <laughs> Isn't that cool? When you show up, no wonder demons get all riled up because they figure that you're there to destroy them. You'd be upset too if you knew this was your last day. You think about it. If a demon, if you walk into a situation and there's someone demon-possessed and it starts acting up, they know their time is limited. And you're just like, ooh, this is going to be fun. Because the devil has to leave. See, there's no options there. There's not an option. Notice the demon didn't say, hey, Jesus, now are, are you going to let us stay or are you going to make us go? They just already assumed they were going to go. Why in the world do we make it look like it's such a fight? Well, that demon's going to put up a fight. Oh, I've seen, I've seen people before think you have to headlock somebody to get them, demon possess, get them delivered. They'll wrestle them down to the ground. Give up! Give up! I thought, boy, there's an easier way. Just in the name of Jesus, you got to go. See ya. Besides, I don't want to get my clothes all dirty. And you don't have to have holy water? Mm-mm. You don't have to have a rosary? You don't have to have nothing? You got the name that's above every name. Why do you need anything else? You got, Jesus himself went into the, the hell for you and got the keys. And he comes walking back out. So what in the world do you need other than his name? So he shows up. Now notice this. Before Jesus showed up, that man, that demon never, never exposed himself. Matter of fact, think about that. The demons were coming to church. And they were lifting their hands. And they were just having a good old time. You know why? There wasn't any threat. They could control things. They knew, hey, religion wasn't going to deliver anybody. But it was when the name above every name showed up. 
That's when they started acting up. And isn't it interesting? Now, now I, to, I just caught this. This is something new the Lord showed me whenever he says this. Did you come to destroy us? Now, notice he says us. But he says, I know who you are. Hmm. So that means other synagogues had demons. Right? The us were for the other ones. Now this synagogue had a devil, had a demon, a man possessed by a demon. And how many of you know he was probably controlling everything about what was going on in there. He was probably going around to people and doing things like this. Uh, you know, last week when the priest said that about God, I don't, I don't really know if I really believe that part. Do you? Really? Do you really believe there's actually going to be a Savior one day going to come called Messiah? He hasn't come in over how many years now? I doubt that's going to happen. Putting doubts in people's minds. Putting wonder, is it really going to happen or whatever. Now, when the Word shows up, and the Word starts to minister with God's authority, now, all of a sudden, the demon's quaking in his boots, and he says, why have you come for us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. Now notice this, he told him be quiet. Why would he tell him be quiet? He just said something real. Because demons aren't supposed to preach the gospel, we are. Jesus doesn't want people to hear about him through a demon. He wants him, them, us or other people to hear about Jesus through us. Those who have relationship with him. Those who know him. Those who truly know him. How many of you know the demon didn't truly know him? Or he would have accepted him who he was. See, he knew him just from what he had heard. You know him by experience. See, you can speak more truly. See, I can ask, okay, I could ask any of you in here about my wife. I could say, okay, tell me who my wife is. Some of you would be able to tell me a little bit more about her than other people would. But if you ask me about my wife, I can tell you everything about her. Tell you what she likes, what she doesn't like. I'm, I know more about what she doesn't like. I press those buttons more. You know what I'm saying? Guys are good about that. <laughs> I can tell you, she don't like that. <laughs> okay? Now listen to this. He says, be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed. Now, if you were here before, you know that word amazed or that word astonished, some of your Bible says. It means to be completely knocked out of your senses by a great sense of joy and excitement. Because you just saw something happen that you had been told happened. You know, how many of you got tired of, you go to church and to be a missionary come through and they'd tell you about all the miracles happening in Africa and then they wouldn't pray for anybody here? And you kept going, okay, I'm glad all that stuff's happening in Africa or wherever you're at. But I need a miracle. Right? I need God to do something. I need to see something. And see, we always saw and heard about everything going on every place else, but we need it here. I got news for you, folks. Tulsa needs a revival. Amen. Oh, I know. Well, we're the, we're the little Jerusalem. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, we're where the action is, man. If anybody wants to see God move, they need to come to Tulsa. Folks, I go to little churches all over the place. I got news for you. God's moving. And he's doing mighty things. 
And he's touching hearts and he's touching lives. And I'm telling you what, we're seeing people blessed big time and they are having revival. But I'm telling you, Tulsa, don't get comfortable in being in Tulsa. Don't say, well, I'm in Tulsa, everything's great. No, let, let, let me tell you something. When you know true revival breaks out, let me tell you when you'll know a true revival breaks out. The Bible says when Jesus went into a place and he preached, even the priests became obedient to the faith. When you start seeing preachers get saved, you have true revival. That's the way it is. When you start seeing preachers get tr- saved, you start having true revival. When people who you thought were okay, listen to me. How many of you know we've been shocked at the things that have happened in preachers' lives? We've been shocked. I mean, every once in a while something happens and I look and I think, man, this guy is such a good teacher of the word. What is going on? What's happening? But let me tell you something. You can have it all here. And you can have all the Greek and all the Hebrew and everything else and be a great orator and still be in sin. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He will not take those back. But I'm telling you what, God doesn't anoint you to live it. He, lives, he anoints you to preach it. But you have to live it just like everybody else. You have to make a commitment to it. You have to say, this is more important in my life than anything else, the Word of God. Amen? And we've all been shocked when we see those things like, what happens? And all it does is it just sets the church back. You ever notice every time something like that happens and you run into people and they go, oh yeah, I heard about that preacher the other day. And you're like, okay, all right, here we go. You know? And it's like, but see, God is wanting all of us to want, make people want out there what we've got. That relationship we have with God. Do you know the church is even called? Now listen to me. Please don't get mad at me about this. Okay, please. Like I said, I, I told you earlier, I'm the Donald Trump here. Okay? I'm not trying to be more Jewish. I'm the true Jew of this age. The Bible says it's not him who is circumcised in the flesh, but in the heart is the true Jew. So whether you're born a Jew or whether whatever, you are God's chosen people for this hour if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't want to be more Jewish. I want to be more Jesus. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do all those things that make me feel like, huh, I don't have to do nothing. I've accepted Christ. I'm as Jewish as I'm ever going to be. Amen. So I'm supposed to even be provoking the Jew to jealousy. That the Jew looks at me and says, how can you talk to God like that? Because he is my father. I am his child. I've been born again. I'm a brand new creation. I didn't exist before this. But once I got saved, I'm a brand new creation that never existed before. Man. Oh, goodness. Okay, listen to this. It says, they were all amazed and they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all of Galilee. Now, that's at church, right? That's great. That's wonderful that that's happening. But now listen to this. Now, as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came, took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, 
and she served them. Notice church didn't stop when they got home. Let me tell you something, folks. Church doesn't stop when you get home. You go home. It's just an extension of what's been happening all day. When you come to church, your, your kids should be able to look and say, this is exactly what we do at the house. We worship God. We hear the word. We lay hands on the sick. They recover. We believe God. We trust God. We see miracles. See, so for so many Christian people, it stops whenever they leave church, they go home, and they go about like everybody else in the United States. What a boring life. But see, we're supposed to go right on home and just take the church right into our house. Now, look what happens when you do that. Verse 32, at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. Guess what? When you take church home, your neighbors start coming over. And they start saying, hey, uh, my son's not feeling good. And I know you guys believe in that healing stuff. Do you care to pray for him? Sure. We'll do that. Next thing you know, your neighbors are getting saved. Your neighbors are coming closer to God. Your neighbors are getting filled with the Spirit. Your neighbors are starting seeing things in your house. Your neighbors should be jealous of what's going on in your home. They should be jealous of your marriage, of your children, of what you possess, everything else, and because they, you should tell them all. It comes from my relationship with God, period. It comes because I'm a believer in Him. I've been filled with the Spirit. I walk in His blessings. Then it starts to affect your neighbors, but look, it doesn't stop there. It says, and, then, and listen to this, verse 32 again, and they were demons best, verse 33, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Folks, we always do this. Christians are so good about this. Oh, we're going to win our city for Jesus. No, you're not. You can't even decide what to watch on TV. You can't even decide what to have for lunch. And then you're going to win the city? We're so fickle. We're so up and down and everything else. You want to know how to win your city? Take the church home with you. Start seeing your neighbors get saved. Next thing you know, it starts affecting your city because your neighbor goes and says, hey, if you ever got to one of your kids sick or something like that, take them to their house. Ask them to pray for them. Next thing you know, the whole city's at your door. See, if we want to win the city, we just have to act like the church. I know. See, we want to plan though. Let's have a plan, okay? I'll give you a plan. What would Jesus do? We've had that plan for a long time. Jesus would do what? He would, if, if Jesus lived next door to you, guess what? Jesus would get you saved. Jesus would get you filled with the Spirit. Jesus would get you healed. That's what would happen if Jesus lived next door to you. Now Jesus is in you. You live next door to people who don't know God. Who maybe don't know about the power of God. Well, you know, that's why we got fences. I don't want to invade their space. Tell Jesus that. Jesus invaded everybody's space. He went right into the sinner's home. Had supper with them. Hey, how you doing? Only the religious people was upset about that. So you see, folks, church just doesn't stay here. But when you walk out those four doors, what are we doing once we leave? Because we're the church. So if we're the church, we just take it right with us and we go to our house, 
go to our neighbors, go to the city. Now listen to this. I love this part right here. And, and I'm going to, I'll get you out of here in plenty of time. You'll, you'll be fine. Just don't look at your watch. Okay, here we go. Now, listen to this. And verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. Now, I love this word searched because it means this. It means if you had something of great value and you laid it on your desk or let's say your nightstand that night, and let's say it was worth a million dollars and you laid it on your nightstand at night and then you went to bed and you got up the next morning, it was missing. Do you think you'd search for it or would you just go, oh, it's just a million? Be honest, you'd tear that house apart. You would look everywhere. You'd rip open things if you had to. It's a million dollars. So you would look for that with everything within you. That's this word search. It means Jesus got up, went out to pray. They all got up and said, where's Jesus? And all of a sudden they started tearing the place apart looking for him. You see, folks, what happens when you take church from the building to your home, to your neighbor's, to your city. It just stirs up such a hunger that then you realize we can't live without Him. We need Him in every part of our lives. And whatever you think, and see, they thought, now listen to this, they searched for Him. They were searching everywhere. And listen to this. They searched for Him, verse 37. When they found Him, they said to Him, everyone is looking for you. What is our goal? To make everyone look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Don't look to me, look to Jesus. Every time they come to you, say, can you pray for us? Yeah, but you understand here, this is Jesus healing you. This is not me. You thank him. So everyone is looking to Jesus. Folks, let me tell you something, what the church has created. The church as an organization has created everyone is looking for the next pastor, the next preacher. The next one with all the power. The next one with all the laying on the hands and everything else. Uh-uh. We need to point toward Jesus. 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 You know why? Because no preacher can be there 24 hours a day, but Jesus can. No preacher can be there every time you need him, but Jesus can. And if we make them dependent on Jesus, guess what? They're going to cry out to him first. Say, Jesus. See, it goes from putting their faith in you to putting their faith in Jesus. And when they start putting their faith in Jesus, then they can affect more people around them. And that's what we have to create in people is a hunger for Jesus. And listen to this. It says, trying to find my place here. What verse am I in? Verse 37. When they found that, he said, everyone is looking for you. Verse 38. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns. See, we're always talking about winning our city. Why not say, okay, let's win not only our city, but then this is going to affect other cities. And how many of you know, before long, you can not only win your city, but you can win other cities, you can win counties, and you can win the state, and then you can win the United States. If the church would just be the church, that's all he's asking us to do. He's not asking one person to save everybody. And you know, we look back, and, and, and this is sad in a way. It really is. I mean, remember when Billy Graham had his big meetings in these auditoriums, and 
thousands of people would come forward for, for, to receive Christ. That was great that he did that, but that was sad he had to do it. Think about that. If the church would have been doing what they were supposed to do, Billy Graham wouldn't have had to have those kind of meetings. But God raised up somebody to do what the church wasn't doing. Why do you think the charismatic movement came into being? Why do you think everybody left the churches and went to the hippie movement and all that to receive healing or to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Because the church wasn't doing it. Then the church gets um, jealous about what was going on and they got to figure out, okay, how come everybody's going? And, and isn't it sad that all the church had to go to special meetings to get healed? They'd have to go to a Brother Hagen meeting, Brother Copeland meeting, something like that to receive their healing when the church should have been, they should have been receiving the healing in the church. So why are we creating an atmosphere where people have to go somewhere else to get what they can get right in their own home? You see, if the church will just be the church and just do what we're supposed to do, then we can see our city changed. You can see Tulsa change. You can see Broken Arrow change. You see Bixby change. You see all those cities, those towns change by the church just doing what Jesus said to do. Did Jesus not say this? Did he so say, go ye therefore. Do you know that if you take the go out of gospel, all you have is a spell? Church has been having a lot of spells. They've been having a lot of times whenever, oh man, God's really moving. Well, he's not moving now. Well, God's really moving. No, he's not moving now. But what about gospel? What about just taking the good news? I think it was Buddy Bell that used to say this. He said, the gospel is good, happy, merry news. It makes one leap for joy. I know that's what it did for me. Okay. Last verse. Listen to this in verse 39. I'd like to go further. We'll have to continue this the next time. All right. So prepare yourselves. Get, read up on all your notes and everything for next May. Okay. Now listen to this. Listen to what it says in verse 39. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout Galilee and doing what? Casting out demons. Remember earlier when the demon said... What are you here for us for? Because he knew he had other buddies. Jesus said, I'm going to get your buddies too. So you see, this thing can spread and it can spread like wildfire. Listen, I believe in these last days. I truly believe in a last day revival. I really believe that. And I believe we're going to see God do things that are going to blow us all away. But it will be short-lived. And this is the reason for it. Jesus is going to come back right after that happens. And let me tell you why. God is not going to give man the chance to mess it up this time. Every time the revival, true revival breaks out, it takes man a few months to mess it up. Because we start merchandising everything. We start trying to tell everybody how to do it. We start writing books about it. We start doing seminars about it. And all of a sudden, man takes credit for what God is doing. In this last great move of God, God is not going to give man the opportunity to take credit for it. He's going to do it. And when he does it, it's going to, it's going to be, okay, <clears throat> how do you say this? It's not going to be because 
We fasted, we prayed, we did. You know what that does? It says, I did this. I brought this, see, I brought this out. I'm not saying fasting and prayer is not good. Don't take credit for what God's going to do. Just let God do it. Let him save the, the, the people that are going to be saved. Heal the people that are going to be healed. Set free the people that are going to be set free. And just glorify in that you will got to be a part of it. Amen. Now, <clears throat> Josh, you come, care to come up and play a little bit? I'm just going to say it like this. Earlier we had the healing and God told me he's going to heal people there. Okay. I'm just going to say it this way. And then and I'm going to have Pastor Jeff take over and everything else. If you need prayer for healing, let's everybody just stand up for a minute. If you need prayer for healing. Now, now there, I, know the, I know Jeff's going to come up and he's going to take up a, an offering for us. Okay. And, and for most of you know, we have a place called the Brook at Bethpage. Okay. It's a, it's a ministry to pastors and missionaries. Folks, let me tell you something. I ha, I, I've never done this, and the Lord kind of got on to me about it. He said, if people don't know your need, they don't know, you know, I, I'm just not good at taking up offerings. I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm terrible at that because I just, I know how people try to pull on you and get stuff out of you and all that kind of stuff. You know whether God wants you to help us or not, you know. And we do. We have a good ministry to pastors and missionaries. We let them come to our place and stay. They get to rest and everything else. And it's just an awesome place. Only about two hours from here, you know. And we do need your help, though. There are some things that we're trying to get done and trying to do and, and fix it up for them. And just some equipment we need and some landscaping and different things like that. If you can give toward that when Jeff gets ready to take up an offer, that's great. Don't feel... If you can't do it, you just pray for us. You know what I'm saying? We need that more than anything. But we deal with pastors that are going through divorces, drug addiction, suicide. I mean, it, it can be a number of different things. Some of them just need rest, you know. And they can come to our place. We charge a little cleaning fee. And they can stay for five nights for free, you know. And I know some of the people here at church have been over there and saw our place. It's beautiful, you know. And, it, and it's an awesome ministry. That's all I can tell you. I'd say that even if I wasn't involved in it. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, we have an awesome ministry to pastors on it. And we could use your help doing that. But first of all, if you need prayer for healing, if something wasn't called out a while ago or you didn't come down a while ago and you want to, I'm going to be down here. My wife's going to be down here. And then I'm going to let Jeff come up and do whatever he wants to do. But if you need prayer, you come down. We'd be glad to pray with you guys. God bless you. Did you learn anything today? Was it, did it help you any? All right. Praise God. Let's just be the church and just let God do what he wants to do. If you need healing, come on down. Pastor Amen. Jeff. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Great encouraging words. Do you know if you have any need? Maybe you've heard this message today and you've never been saved. Don't know what it is to really uh, have that new birth experience. Um, we invite you to come down. Steve will minister to you. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, have that power. He was talking about the power of God working through you. Um, that's per part of God's purpose. He came to save us, to fill us with power for life, power for ministry. We can't do this work of ministry in our own strength. It's, it's God working through us. And if you've never been filled with the Spirit, that's the purpose of the Spirit of God. He's in you. That's the new birth. He's flowing out of you. That's the baptism of the Spirit. And so we want you to come and be 
joined with that. And if you need to maybe make a recommitment of your life, uh, you know, through this stirring that you're not living the life that God really wants you to live in, in declaring and living the gospel through you. And so we want that opportunity also. So just come, receive prayer, receive ministry. Uh, Pastor Steve, Susie's here. Uh, I've been over to their facility and uh, it's, it's a beautiful place. And uh, one of the things that he's kind of proud of is most of, the, most of it you can't, you can't get connected. There's uh, very little wireless service. So you kind of have to, you have to kind of know God. Might even need to take a real Bible with you to, to read. But uh, it's a great place for rest. And I know that it's been times that Jan and I have just needed to just have a couple of days and just be there. Um, beautiful time. So um, pray for their work. Pray for the, what they're doing. Um, ministers come over there broken. And um, they let them be on their own, but they also offer times of ministry for these pastors and families that would come. So, amen. Why don't you reach out your hands to Steve and Susie and uh, let's pray for their ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing. I thank you for Steve, for Susie, for the work at Bethphage. I thank you, Father God, that you are using the brook to touch people's lives. And, and Father, restore ministers, restore uh, families, restore their hearts and their minds, Father, and that you are exalted through the work that comes as an outgrowth of this restoration. And we just thank you for it, Father. We thank you that you will supply every need uh, that Steve would have. Father, the, the work of ministry is great there. Father, as they sow this opportunity into people's lives, Father, you are their strength. You are their source. You are their support. And uh, we thank you, Father, we get an opportunity to have part in that, that your name be praised. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. So as we close out the service, I want to... Uh, Reminds you, uh, there are envelopes uh, on the back of the chairs. And if you want to give toward the brook at Bethphage, just write guest Steve uh, on the line where it says giving. And you can make a separate offering there, make it out to home church and it will go to him. Just mark that on your list. If you're giving online, uh, there's a place that you can do that also. And if you're giving by text, uh, you can just, in the text number, just put in guest and text to the number that you would give uh, for here. So um, we believe God wants to do good things through that. So uh, please take an opportunity to do that as we uh, bring the service to a close today. I want to remind you also for uh, the marriage course. This is going to be a great opportunity uh, to strengthen marriages, to encourage. There's going to be food. There'll be times for uh, prayer. There'll be times for ministering. Uh, Jeff and Lisa will be co-hosting this with, uh, with the leaders uh, that are on the video from England. Uh, it is an incredible series. Uh, you will be blessed. Your marriages will be strengthened. Uh, maybe you know a family. Maybe it's a neighbor family or someone that you know that you work with or maybe part of your own family, and you know that their marriage needs a little bit of strengthening or waking up 
Um, God will do that. All right, but you need to go to the homechurchok.com webpage. So go to our church webpage, homechurchok.com. And uh, on the landing page, there's a place where you can sign up. You need to do that by this coming Sunday, the 29th. All right, so that's our last opportunity. So again, uh, come if you have any need for prayer. Um, we believe that God wants to do things in our lives that he might be exalted and in all ways. So um, just, let's just lift our hands and worship him and let God minister to those that are coming. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Father God, for your name. We thank you, Father God, for the grace of your name that you've given us. And as we sang, your names are great. And God, you are greatly to be praised. And so, Father, we thank you that, that through your name, we have life and health and peace, joy and strength. I thank you, Father God, that you'll touch our lives, that you'll use us. Take the inspiration from this message, Father God, and use us to bring glory and honor to your name. Father, that you be exalted. It's not about home church. It's about you being glorified, Father God, and bringing people to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. He is the source that they need. And I thank you, Father God, you give us words. Give us words, and by the presence of your Spirit, give us boldness to speak those words. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so it's a great, uh, great day, great week. Um, again, if you want prayer, come and receive here at the front, and uh, you are dismissed. We're going to have a great week in the Lord. Amen.